today on this episode of the Soulful Eclectic, we have Miss Nicole DeSagostino, right? Did, right? Did I say that right? Right. Okay. Yes, you did. Awesome. Hi, Hi. And my lovely co-host here, Miss <laughs> Ona Mills. How are you there? I'm good. I'm good. You're good? All right. Awesome. So in light of domestic violence month right we are highlighting our lovely divas right because you are a diva on all rights and um a survivor a continued survivor right of domestic violence and um with the pandemic we're all cooped up together in the house and we are seeing more and more uh domestic violence that used to be hidden, that is now more to the surface due to we're um, stuck with our victims a lot longer than we usually are, right? So um, with that, we're having everyone share their story and their story of resilience and survival and perseverance through Probably the most trying time that you ever had in your life, right? And the goal is to hopefully give someone out there the strength to speak on it and get that resilience that is within us, but we don't feel is within us. And you know what? Take that victim role and, and turn it around, right? So, um, Nicole is going to, you know, to share her story, part of her, and how you have triumphantly taken the pain, the hurt, the suffering that you endured, and elevated yourself into this beautiful woman that is continuing on this journey because it is a journey. It doesn't just end because you're out of the situation. You're constantly working on you. You're constantly rebuilding and restructuring yourself, your children, and now your husband that you're remarried and things like that. So start wherever you would like to start with how you are coming into your authentic self and sharing your authentic self with the world. Okay. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, I'd say I, um, I experienced it at a very, very young age. It started first seeing um, my mom and dad go through it, um, watching my mom go through it and me thinking, that at seven, eight, or nine, that is how you're supposed to love somebody, um, not knowing any better. So experiencing the rejection, the heartache, it hurt, um, wanting to be accepted at a very young, young age because it was my mother and my stepdad. Um, I never knew my father. So when I would see things like that and I would watch my mother just brush it underneath the rug, I thought that that was love. I thought, oh, okay, he's just doing that because he loves her or, you know, the non-emotional disconnect relationship that I had with my stepdad 
I thought that was love. That was okay. So I didn't know any better. So as I got older and I met my ex-husband, um, fell in love, and there were signs very early on dating. And I thought that was so stuck around when I should have ran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't. You know, they say love is blind. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely blind, okay? Um, so early signs and just wanting to be accepted, just, you know, wanting to be loved. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that the hitting, I thought that the verbal abuse, the mental abuse was okay. And I really thought something was wrong with me. Right. So I became very codependent on him. I felt like he validated me. Now, how and old were you? I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, I was 19. I was 19. I got um, pregnant with my daughter at 19. We got married at 19. So here we are, two young people, mm. new in life, um, not knowing about life, not knowing about each other, mm-hmm. you know, just thinking that we were doing the right thing and the abuse continued while we were married. Um, my daughter, she saw a lot at a very, very young age. Um, my son, not so much because he was a baby, but mm-hmm. my, my daughter saw a lot. It was, it was a very trying experience i think because my mom was still going through the abuse so i'm 19 i'm married Mm -hmm. i'm trying to leave and get away but it's still happening in my mother's marriage i think up until my my dad and my mom they were probably in their early 50s wow yeah So when I wanted to run or leave or have that outlet, I'm running from one hell and she's got her own hell going on. So it's like a generational thing that is happening, a cycle, if you will. So you had no safety net on either end. You just kind of just circled way back. What about friends and other relatives? Nobody never... um, People that knew, I would say on my ex-husband's side, his mother was, my ex-mother-in-law, she was very submissive. Hmm. She, was like, she would ask me things like, well, what did you do? And I'm like, what do you mean, what did I do? I, I know that this is not right. Like, talk to him, you know, correct him. And she's like, well, you had to have done something. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, no, friends never spoken because it was more behind the scenes, in front of everybody, he was a good guy. Mm. You know, you're on top of your game, you're this, you're that, but behind closed doors, he was a whole different monster. Um, Just never there, never present in the raising of our children. He was always gone. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me ask you a question, Nicole. Mm -hmm. Back on what you said, you said that your mom was in a toxic relationship. Correct. Um, you thought that what she was going through, you thought that it was love, right? Mm-hmm. And you end up getting married at 19, and you said that you're seeing signs um, early on. 
Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I just did an interview yesterday and I was telling her that um, it's hard to try to speak about what's going on in your household because domestic violence doesn't have a do it. You know what I mean? It is um what 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 I'm trying to say. It's like blank. Right. Now that your mom going through it the same time that you right. through it, it's kind of like you really can't go to her because she's in a toxic relationship herself. Right. So when you were going through this, was it hard? even harder to leave the situation because you didn't have that support? Yeah, it it was very hard. It was very hard to leave it. I would leave and go right back. I would just, you know, go stay at my mom's because my my stepdad, he would run. He would be gone. It would be other women. I'm going through the same thing. My ex-husband, there's other women. We have women coming to the doorstep with children. You know, you're gone two or three days. I'm raising these kids. So the times that I did get away and go to my mom's, it was like just a night of just, let me just get some peace. Like, Lord, let me just, just give me just a night of peace to figure it out. Right. And I just remember, and then the times that my stepdad would come home, it would just be constant verbal. You over here, you're not going to be over here with these kids and blah, blah, blah. So I'd be like, okay, let me go back home. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll just go back home and, you know, be quiet, do what I need to do just to get through the day and try to come up with a plan. So at at that point when you, I, I was listening to you say, well, okay, let me go home, deal with this, be quiet. Maybe he'll leave me alone if I just do what he say maybe you know i can get my piece um so at this time when you was going through this uh, transition did you feel like it was your fault that he was doing this or did you know that it wasn't you and it was all him because you know when we get into a um a situation like that and then you you, body because i heard you say that you told his mom and she was mm-hmm. like, well, what do you do? Mm-hmm. When she said that, did you start feeling like it was yours? Or did you know on all levels, like, this is not healthy. This this is, like, really toxic. In the beginning, I felt like it was all my fault. Like, I, something's got to be wrong with me. Why doesn't, you know, he accept me? And he gave you these babies. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm doing all this. Um, but towards the end, it's like something went off. Probably year six or seven, I was like, no, this can't be it. You know, this is not what I want. This is not the family dynamic that I want my kids to see. Their father is here Monday through Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, you gone. Right. You know what I'm saying? This isn't this isn't healthy. Like it, it is, it's time to go, and um, that's really when I just had a made up mind. And what really triggered me, it was 
It was no. It was November. I will never forget. <laughs> November tenth, nineteen ninety nine. It was at nine fifty nine p.m. That was the last time that man hit me, mm. and I knew that it. it Sorry. Take your time. Oh, it's alright. Mm. You gonna make me cry? It's alright. It's. I just knew that that was it. It was either either he was gonna die mm-hmm. or I was gonna die, but I wasn't gonna stay. Mm-hmm. and it's those breaking moments that people don't realize some people don't live through that Mm -mm. right they don't some people don't live through that and by the grace of God he said you need to wake up right and you listened okay you you listened most people don't listen no, people don't listen, and, and you have to. And when he give you that opportunity, you gotta go. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't look back. And I think that if I hadn't put my trust in him, what I tell you, I know that it was somebody but God because he had moved us over to a place that was run down. It was drunks. It was people sitting outside the yards, everything. And he had left. So I was just like, I, I can't have my babies over here. And I'm here at night. People are, you know, roaming the streets or whatever. And I just started packing. And we had a closet up front. And I remember I just put the boxes in there. Mm-hmm. He never paid attention to that closet. And then I waited one day and he had left. And I got a U haul, packed it up, and I never looked back. Seven years. Mm-hmm. Seven years. And you can live to tell it. Yep. Yeah. I lost a child behind it. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think it's um, really difficult like when you go through um a situation like that and then on top of that your mom mm-hmm. through it too and the support is not there it makes it even difficult um it's that you already already dealing with it in your home mm-hmm. yeah you can't even get peace in your own home. And I think a lot of times why we stay in these situations is because we don't have nowhere else to go. We don't have that support. And it's like you in this big world by yourself because you don't have that support. And then when you see your mom going through it, it's like, okay, if my mom going through this, she help me. How can how can she help me? Right. And I, that's why it is 
to that to till this day i think that's why a lot of um women stay is because they really don't have nowhere to go they have nowhere to go they don't have an outlet and i just feel like there needs to be a bigger platform there needs to be places for women to go if it's just for an hour if it's just for a day a week a month those resources I mean, to help because I'm going through mine, she's going through hers, and in the midst of while I'm going through mine, they're getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. And my mom never said nothing. Right. I'm crying out to her, they're going to do the divorce. And then in the midst of the divorce, he's jumping on her. I'm trying to leave for the the fourth, fifth time. He's jumping on me. So it's like, Right. Did you feel like when you were in that situation, did you feel was to like tell a friend or um coworker or anybody for that matter? Do you feel like were to speak up that would judge you or not speak up because you felt like you would be you would get or feel like um it was shame like before that breaking point where he get that choice that you had to like okay it's either him or it's either me before you got to that point was there any in-betweens where you wanted to speak up to somebody else but were just scared to speak up because you felt like if you was to tell somebody they would make you feel ashamed about what you the situation that you was in? I spoke up to one person, my, um, I spoke up to my God sister and she painted the picture of you have to stick it out because of the kids. She presented. And so it was wait. And later on that I later on down the road, now that I left, I learned that she knew that he was out with multiple women. Her and her husband and him and his side pieces is hanging out, partying together. So instead of being on my side, knowing this situation with my children, I kind of felt like you was in on it. That you wanted me to stay, so mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Tabs was kept on me. You knew where I was at. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, you okay? Hey, something flew in my coffee. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I did that off camera. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, you know, there were a few people. I mean, we had couples that you know we hung out with but guess what the couples they was his friends so one of my girlfriends she was getting beat on too so Mm. it was nobody outside of the thing that said you know this is ridiculous Mm -hmm. like y'all need to know so if you had the resources, if you known about the resources that may have been available during that time, like the women's shelters and things like that, would you have 
taken that opportunity and gone? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I would have probably did it year one or year two in. I would have back then. Like I said, the signs were, red flags were before we were dating. Mm-hmm. And you jumping on me because you got caught with another female, me and a girl pregnant at the same time. Mm. And it's my fault. Right. Now, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's crazy. And I remember, ladies, getting the day that I am getting, there were so many signs. When I tell you love is blind, the most trust your instinct, trust your gut, because I'm planning a wedding. Oh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to check it, but I'm going to have the beautiful gown. My gown wasn't ready. His mama wore all black. Mm. I'm I'm leaving church with my mom being judged because I'm teen. I'm pregnant. Oh, people in the church, you're not supposed to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you done, you know, what have you. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking to the parking lot. The lady come up to me. I don't know who she is to this day, but if I found her, I would tell her thank you and buy her a meal she walked up to me she said you better not do it mm. and i looked and i said huh she said whatever you're thinking about doing don't do it raise your baby and i she said if you do it it's gonna be hell i'm, I'm 19 i'm chilling what she's talking about anyway you know and my mom's looking at me and i'm looking at my mom and i'm like who is that lord i ain't never seen her before Sure as she said that, it was hell. Hmm. And the only joy out of it was my children. Did the children witness the abuse? My daughter did. My daughter did. She witnessed it. My son was two, so he didn't, you know, he didn't know. He doesn't remember, Um, but my daughter did. Um, She witnessed a lot to where my new marriage, she had shared with her dad, you know, when he told them that we were gonna get married and we set them all down, my daughter got really emotional. And she said, that's fine, long as promise not to kick or punch or beat my mommy, that's fine. Mm. And how old was she? Seven. Wow. I remember you talking about that when we were having our meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, I say that you don't have the strength enough for yourself. Do it for your babies. Absolutely. Especially, it goes for having a son and it goes for having a daughter. Mm-hmm. You don't want your daughter thinking that that's love. Mm-hmm. And you don't want your son thinking that it is okay for them to put their hands on a woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I instill in them. Like, you, I bet not ever, I'll take you out. Right. And I think that most parents think like, oh, they don't, they young. They, they, mm-hmm. they don't understand. You know, I'll teach them later. No. It's no, it's, no. it's no better way to teach our kids while they're young. Teach them while they're young. Because I say it all the time in every in- interview that I have did, my baby was eight months, nine months, years, nine months. 
she crawled to me, like my tears. I thought, oh hell no. Like this right. is it. Like you're nine months. So if you see me unhappy at nine months, just think if she was one, two, three, four years old. Right. Like my daughter was. Like my daughter was. You know, she she's seen a lot. And some stuff I think okay. But like she's like, Yeah, I you know, I remember I remember him hitting you while you were holding my brother. And I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. You know? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, but when that happened, you were only three or four. Yeah. People don't realize what the kids' memories can hold. And that's so scary. And that's her dad, right? That's her dad. That is scary, and I feel like no child has to do with that because Mm-mm. children look at their parents like little girls. Their dad is their first mm-hmm. king, you know, and the same with the boys with their mother. That's mm-hmm. their first queen. So when they see the abuse, they, they just don't know. They don't know who is this normal, is this right, you know, like, wait. It, it, it creates a confusing, dysfunctional family dynamic. I agree. Uh, absolutely. And we put the D in dysfunction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right? I think that's why it's so important to make this. It's bigger than us. It's not just us as victims and not we're survivors, but our kids. They're victims. Yeah. They you are. Know what I mean? And I think that Domestic violence don't get as much credit as it should. Not at all. Not and at all. In order for it to be big, bigger than us or be a change, we have to be consistent. We can't just do it in the month of October. We have to do it every all year month. round. Absolutely. It's like being a whole nother voice. Absolutely. Because like, it doesn't stop in October. It doesn't. It keeps going. Right. It doesn't take a pause. It doesn't take a pause. It doesn't say, okay, October's over. So now, okay, you guys wait. Don't cut up until October. No, I don't share. And I mean, I have said a thousand times that we're not taking the platform away from breast cancer, um, bullying, mental health. What we're saying is we want you to hear us. Mm-hmm. Because right. people that is going through it now than ever during this pandemic, right, mm-hmm. and have nowhere to go, have no support system. Exactly. But imagine this, though: even with people, don't think it just all comes full circle. Because I know a young lady battling cancer yep. and domestic violence. Mm. So imagine that fight. Right. You're you're fighting for your life on both, not fight, just one. You're fighting to live, to live, to try to get out of a domestic That's a violence, violence situation. <laughs> like you're fighting cancer, right? Right. So you're trying to beat that because you want to live, right? But trying to live to get out of a domestic violence situation. Exactly. So being told that. Oh, you're not pretty, or you're already feeling like you're not enough because mm-hmm. you done went through the chemo. You may have, 
you know, lost your hair, whatever. And then on this side of the spectrum, the verbal, mental, and emotional abuse mm-hmm. or the non-support thereof, that. So the platform is definitely bigger than just October. Absolutely. And that, right. and that's our goal is to not just start the conversation, but keep the conversation going. So even though the month of October is going to come in and go, we're going to continue that conversation. We're going to continue that fight. So even if it means we're out there once a week, posting, saying, doing whatever, but our voices are constantly out there that you're not allowed to forget. We're not giving you the opportunity to forget. Right. It's real. I think not even us, you know, we think like, I used to think before I even met a celebrity, right? I used to think they had it all. Like, mm-hmm. in the bills, they had the money, cars, the house. Right. And then, boom, I met a celebrity. Mm-hmm. They have it worse than we do. And I am like so shocked because celebrities go through this and they're not even making it a big deal. No, it's in the right. They they are even keeping it silent. Right. And we we are not. So we're gonna continue that conversation and we're gonna continue fighting right. that good fight. So it, it's not going to end here. I wanna thank Nicole for sharing a part of herself with us, with the world, and also um, opening up the opportunity to have those conversations with each other and um, maybe even exposing a wound that no one knew about because we we as individuals, we suffer in silence, especially um, men, because men have domestic violence as well. But as you can see, the faces of domestic violence is 90% of the time, 95% of the time, a woman. So um, just starting to share these stories, hopefully we can get more people to open up and start the healing process within themselves. So with that, I want to thank Nicole for her voice and um, this is part one and we have part two as we start to go into really talking about that healing all right so thank you for joining us if you haven't already you can subscribe rate the um, podcast the episode you can send me some feedback via my email dc at the com. You can reach me on my webpage, thesoulfulecollectic.com, or Facebook, um, the soulful, uh, it's not the soulful eclectic, it's soulful eclectic with DC on Facebook, and Instagram, it's the soulful eclectic. So please, please, please um, just send me a, a message, even if it's just one person to say, I heard you and thank you and share if you need to, if you can. So with that, I bid you all blessings. Namaste.